Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. This morning is from the second chapter of Mark's Gospel. We'll be reading the first 12 verses as we come to this text. Uh, Join me first in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, apart from your word, we have no life. So we are here, O God, we are listening. We pray that you would whisper your grace to us in these moments. Speak to us, we pray. In the name of Christ, the living word, amen. Let us listen for God's word for us. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there were, that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, When they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that there were, they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier, to say to a paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So this is a miracle story, but it's really a story of struggle, of battle, a struggle that goes on and on and on. Uh, One of the predominant characteristics of Mark's gospel is it is filled with miracles. Already, Jesus has cast demons out of a man in a synagogue. He has healed Peter's mother-in-law. He has cleansed the leper of his disease, and now he heals a paralytic, and we're just to chapter 2. It seems that Jesus can do anything, really. And a common misunderstanding, it seems to me, is that it implies that Jesus is some kind of superman, just dropping power here and there, doing whatever he pleases. But a closer read reveals that Jesus 
from the beginning of this gospel till the end, is in a battle. He is struggling against anything that would erode human flourishing. He knows the world is a harsh place. The world is chaotic, unfair, and often unkind. Give it only a matter of time and the world will break your heart or your body or your spirit. And it is into this wilderness world that Jesus is cast, that he might show us a bit of God's grace, of God's promised day. But that work always requires struggle. There's some persistence to it, even courage. We see it in this story. There, there was a man, he couldn't walk. And so there's some friends that carry him to Jesus. And, you know, I assume this was common for them. This is not the first time they carried him. Maybe they carried him all the time. Maybe his inability to walk impacted all of them. They carried him to the market. They carried him to the synagogue. They carried him to the well. This day they carry him to Jesus, hoping that Jesus can heal him and help all of them. The text doesn't tell us who these people are. It just describes what they do, and from what they do, I say they are friends of this person. Pretty remarkable friends, actually. And so they try to help him out. But when they arrive, the, the crowd is so big, they, they can't get to Jesus. It isn't isn't that the way it often is with us? We're, we're trying to do a good thing. We're trying to help out a little bit, trying, trying to do something right, and something gets in the way. It's, it's, something frustrates it. It, it. it never seems to go easily. It's always a battle. Uh, Carol and I had not been married very long. We took a trip to visit her parents, my in-laws. I remember none of the details, but late one evening, my mother-in-law and I got into a little spat. We got into a little tiff, right? Went to bed in a huff. So the next morning, I decided I would try to smooth things over a little bit, probably because it was my fault. And so I knew she loved her morning coffee. I knew she loved sugar in her coffee. I, I, got, I got her a cup. I brewed the coffee. I poured her a cup of coffee. She had a little sugar bowl right there by the stove. And I put two scoops of sugar in there. I took her and said, here, Ann, here's, here's some coffee. She took one sip of it and spit it out. Turns out that sugar bowl right there by the stove wasn't sugar. Salt. I should have known this. She salted everything she cooked. She even salted her blood pressure pills. She salted everything, but not her coffee. That's the only thing she didn't salt, and it was horrible. Here I was trying to help out, and she's assaulted. It just didn't work out for me at all. Sometimes even when we're trying to do a good thing, the right thing, there are blunders or barriers that get in the way. And other people, they might have said, well, we tried. It's too crowded. We'll go home. But these guys had some persistence about them. These people, whoever they were, they had some persistence about them, some hope that wouldn't give up. They had some courage 
about them. They climb up on the roof. They dig a hole in the roof, and they lower this paralytic down to Jesus. They lower him down to Jesus. And it says, Jesus saw their faith and said, your sins are forgiven. Notice that he didn't see faith in the paralytic. He saw the faith in the people on the roof, the men and women on the roof. I think he saw in them something of himself. He saw in them a persistence, a, a courage uh, that would not give up hope, that, that went the second mile. He saw in them faith. He said, faith is like that. He didn't see it in the paralytic, and I don't blame him. I'm not casting judgment on the paralytic. No one could blame him if the circumstances of his life had done a number on his faith. No one could blame him if he had given up hope a bit. That's what this man's friends do. They engage in an act of hope. But for the paralytic, it had been carried day after day after day. His hope may have run out. Who could blame him? When my mother was in her mid-50s, she had a cerebral bleed, left her disabled. She lived alone, so before Carol and I even had our children, we had the care of uh, my mother. A couple of years after the stroke, she started having seizure activity, and it became pretty persistent. We went to doctor after doctor after doctor to try to address the seizure. She was taking a fistful of medicines and going to doctors all the time, but nothing Nothing would help. They continued. My mother's sister, my aunt, she called one afternoon. She lives in upstate New York, and she said, there's some people here who can help your mom. It's an alternative treatment. They're going to lay hands on her, and it'll heal the seizures. Well, this is kind of dicey family stuff. You, you, you probably have a family, so you probably know what I'm talking about. And I told my aunt, you may think I'm a horrible son, you're probably right. I told my aunt, I said, if you want to do this, if you want to take her, I'll put her on the plane to you, but I can't come. I, I can't cheerlead this. I, I can't hope again. I've been to too many doctors and given too many meds. I have been schooled in disappointment. I just can't hope. Hope requires courage. It's a battle against the forces that erode human flourishing. It's not easy to have all the time. You know, my mother, she went with my aunt and stayed a week or two, and I don't know how or why, but she hasn't had a seizure since. I'm profoundly grateful, but to hope then required more courage than I could muster. Sometimes we have to relearn how to hope, and sometimes we just have to admit we can't, and we need others to do it for us. Sometimes life paralyzes us, and we need friends to hope for us. When your hope has run out, do you know who you'd call? Do you know who has 
the courage to engage the battle when your hope is fragile? They said that Fred Rogers was invited to speak to the National Press Club. Uh, This is a a luncheon that has uh, uh, pretty heavyweight speakers usually who talk about world events. They're movers and shakers. And it's reported that that some of the press privately joked that with Mr. Rogers giving the address, they were probably in for a light lunch. Fred Rogers stood to the podium and took out a stopwatch, took out a pocket watch and placed it on the podium. And he said to begin, he wanted to give them two minutes of silence. He said, you all are remarkable people. You have achieved much in your lives. You're some of the best reporters in the world. So I want to take two minutes and let you think about the people who helped you become who you are. Parents, teachers, mentors. Think about the people who have sacrificed for you, contributed to you. Think about the people who have helped shape who you are. The room was quiet. As the seconds ticked away, one reporter said that before Mr. Rogers put his pocket watch back in his pocket. The emotion was audible in the room. Why is that? What is it about such a simple question that would move us? I think it's this. I I think we know, I think we all know that even the strongest of us is going to be paralyzed by life at some time or another. Sometimes life requires more strength, more courage, more hope than we can muster. Every one of us has those moments or maybe even seasons when we need to be carried a little bit. It's part of being human. And it's why we need friends. Friendship is a holy practice because it's the type of love that carries us when we need it the most. I told you before about my friend Casey Tomey. He was a mentor for me. He's a thoughtful preacher, uh, an amazing leader, and one of the finest pastors I've known. He'd been known to tell a joke or two that would not find itself in any sermon I would preach, I can tell you that. And when he, when he laughed, he laughed with his whole body. It was like a convulsion of joy. He died far too young, but cancer doesn't care. I had not been here with you at Village very long, and I called KC, and I said, KC, I am way over my head. I have no idea what I'm doing. Before everybody figures out, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to come talk to you. I need some help, brother. He said, come on. The next week I was on a plane to Nashville. I spent a whole day with him, had a legal pad full of questions. We're going to, I just asked him questions, picked his brains, took notes ferociously. The, the day ended too quickly. Our time together came to an end, and I said, Casey, i got to come back. i, I got a whole, whole other pages of questions for you. He said, put that away. That's not why you're here. 
I said, yeah, I, I, I think it is. I, I have the questions right here. I just don't have the time. I think it's... He said, no, 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 that's not why you're here. I said, Casey, what are you talking about? He said, Tom, this is the only thing you need to know. When the wheels come off, and they will. When things fall apart, and they will. When that happens, I'm your first call. That's all you need to know. I'm your first call. I got your back. You're not alone. He was a good and courageous friend to me. Do you know who your first call is? I, I hope Village is near the top of the list for you. When things fall apart, and they will, you can call us. We've got your back. You won't be alone. Jesus, moved by the persistent faith of these friends, he forgave this man's sin, and then he tells them, he tells them, get up. You don't need that mat anymore. Take it home, put it in a closet, learn to walk. And he did. I, I can't explain that, but I, I can't explain why my mother no longer has seizures either. There's a lot of life I cannot explain. I've learned to be comfortable with a measure of mystery. But this man carried for so long, he learned to walk. Now, this is where the story stops with him, but it's not where his life ends. So imagine with me what happens next. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the road, one of those people who had been courageous, one of those people who had been persistent, one of those people who refused to give up hope and carried him day after day after day. It wouldn't be surprising to me if one of those people found themselves in a circumstance where life left them paralyzed. And they needed someone to carry him. And it wouldn't surprise me if this paralytic now healed said, I'm your first call. I got your back. You're not alone. And the carried became the carrier. Maybe. Here's what I know. You're going to be both. Every one of us is. And we just need to recognize who we are in the moment. Sometimes we've got hope. Sometimes we have strength and courage and persistence, and we can be help to someone who needs it the most. But other times, life paralyzes us. Other times, hope requires more courage than we can muster. And in that moment, we need to let someone else hope for us. We need to let someone else do a little of the carrying. Both 
are human, and both are holy. So I'll end with this. If you feel now that you're on the mat and that life has paralyzed you a bit, remember we're here. We can be your first call. We will always have your back. You will not be alone. Remember that. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.